Uh, Lord, help Andrew. <laughs> and help us to receive. Um, God, we don't want to walk away from here not having heard from you. We have available to us today you, the creator, the preserver, the governor of all things, um, Jesus, the love of the Father. We have access to you, God, um, and we just want to hear from you. <laughs> we know that you're speaking, so God, just open us up, and would you bless Andrew today as he brings the word. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, it's good to be here today. Hey, I just sense a good atmosphere. Do you sense that? Is it just me? Yeah, it's good. Hey, I just want to show a couple of videos just for fun. We'll do the first one. That's You might have seen this, but it's worth seeing again. There's no sound, but you'll get the picture. Now, before you judge him, who's ever wanted to do that? (laughs) It gets better. Show the next one. Watch this guy. He's off tap, mate. Watch this guy. He'll, he'll surprise you. He's a, this guy's a wholehearted guy. You watch him. Nice and calm. He has a plan. Watch this. This is... No half measures here, brother. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. What's wrong with that? You can stop it there. I don't think he had a job when he was finished. How often have we been frustrated when things don't work right? How frustrating is that when things don't work right? And sometimes we blame other people. Sometimes we blame the the company, the organisation, the government. The Prime Minister is a soft target. Um, We blame people. But this frustration, when we're frustrated, I want to ask us, I want us to think about what do we do when we're frustrated um, with life? Because we think that guy's reaction was, we, we think that guy's reaction was a bit over the top, right? But at least he only destroyed his computer, not himself. And too often when we're frustrated with life, we destroy the things around us and we begin to destroy ourselves. Life is frustrating sometimes. My own behavior. You ever been frustrated with your own behavior? You know, we can keep this rhetorical if you don't want to share, but I get frustrated with my own behavior. And I'm frustrated because too often I feel powerless. As much as I try to change things, 
or change me, I find I can't. How frustrating is that? This morning I want to look at just two verses in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. I'm going to read them in a minute, but they sum up Paul's introduction to the whole book of Romans. If you want to do a deep, meaty study on what a Christianity really is, study the book of Romans. It's amazing. But he sums up Paul's ability, who wrote this, um, God-inspired ability. He summed up the whole book in two verses, so that's what we're going to look at. And here it is. Um, They'll come up on the screen, hopefully, two verses, maybe. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, first from last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So in answer to our frustration with life and with ourselves, there is good news. And you might have heard, or you may not have heard, Christians talk about good news or the gospel. And the word gospel just means good news. And in Paul's day, or yeah, in Paul's day, it was a common phrase, you know, like, I don't know, what's a common phrase today? Whatever. Oh, you know the latest one? 100%. If you're cool today, right now, you say 100%. And um, I don't say it because I'm not cool. And I'm always behind the times. Um, but in Jesus, in, in Paul's day, they said, um, good news. We still say it today, but don't we? I got good news. Well, the Christians adopted this because they had the real good news. They had the absolute good news. You ever watch the news? You ever wanted some good news? And I think this is what the Christians in Paul's day got onto. We need to share this because this is really good news. And what were they talking about, this good news? Well, my first point, I've only got two this morning. Faith in the gospel or the good news actually releases the power for spiritual awakening. It releases power. The message itself has power when we combine it with faith to kind of go, and this word power in the New Testament Um, The Greek word was like dunamis, which means like explosive power. The same power that kind of blew Jesus out of the grave can raise us from our graves, not physically, but spiritually, can bring us back to life. Romans 16 um, says there, for I'm not ashamed. Paul wasn't ashamed and he was a very smart man. He was a very well-trained Jewish man. And it was the Jews that were attacking these guys. He said, I'm not ashamed of this message that seems too simple and too good to be true. I'm not ashamed of it because I've seen it have the power to bring change to everyone who believes. E. Stanley Jones once wrote that while the world's vast array of religions are man's search for God. That's why I'm not religious and don't believe in religion because man's search for God. The gospel is God's search for man. There are many religions. There's only one gospel. Dunamis is a power which overcomes resistance. Dunamis is power in action, power to accomplish. Dunamis is the ability to produce a strong effect. See, if the guy that smashed the computer had the dunamis, it's the power to stay calm when we're really frustrated. Friends, that's real power. 
Anyone can smash a computer, but not everyone can get the peace of God when the computer wants to, is asking to be smashed. The gospel is not advice to people suggesting that they lift themselves. It is power to lift them up. The word salvation is a broader term in the Greek than we often think of in English, and I want you to hear this. Other concepts that are inherent in the original world for salvation include, and you might want some of this in your life, restoration. So in the Bible, the word restoration, word salvation means restoration. It means a state of safety. Becky, have you experienced restoration? Absolutely she has. Has she in experiencing a state of safety who else here has given their life to Jesus and experiencing a state of safety soundness and health well-being yeah we hear all about well-being today have we investigated well-being with Jesus as well as preservation from danger or destruction sounds good to me John Wesley was a guy who lived I was going to say an old guy He's gone now. He lived for 87 years, but he was born in 1703 and 1791. You think your job's hard? Listen to what his was like. He was um, born into the Church of England, but he was kicked out for his enthusiasm. Hey, you want that on your reference, don't you? Hey, I was kicked out of my last church. Imagine going to a church and I was kicked out of my last church for my enthusiasm. Well, he just started preaching, and he kept getting kicked out of churches. So he preached in a paddock and thousands of people showed up. How amazing is that, hey? And this is his conversion, right? He was worried that he didn't, after growing up in the church, he was worried that he actually didn't know Jesus. And it happens, right? Sometimes we just get to know religion or people or the church. We don't get to know Jesus. And so this is what happened for him. This is his testimony in a sense. About a quarter before nine while he... Um, the guy reading about Martin, what Martin Luther talked about um, Jesus, describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, he says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken my sins away, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And this is what happened to John Wesley after that occasion. Like I said, he started to preach. He got kicked out of the Church of England, got kicked out of a lot of other churches. And this is what he did. In his lifetime after that, he rode 250,000 miles on horseback to preach in different places. Hey? And you're complaining about driving to work. 250,000 miles. He was convinced that it was important for him personally to spread the gospel through relationships and continue to grow closer to God in those relationships. The beginning, he started the Methodist church, not that he meant to. A bit like William Booth, never went out to start the Salvation Army, just he got kicked out of the Methodist church. Funny how this works, isn't it? Hey? John Wesley got kicked out of the Church of England, starts preaching, next thing you know, he's got a whole bunch of people around him and it ends up becoming a church. And then... Because you know what? This is probably for the Christians in the room. Our human nature has a tendency just to settle. I invite you, if you settle today, to let the Holy Spirit stir you up. Because settling is not good. You never cruised. You ever cruised uphill? Of course you don't. 
got to put the metal to the pedal, pedal to the metal to get up the hill, don't we? You cruise downhill. So if you're cruising, you're probably going downhill. Okay? So in the beginning of Methodism was a group of four people, right? Him and his mates had a small group. When Wesley died in 1791, he left behind a movement with 72,000 members in the British Isles and 60,000 in America. That's not bad in his day when, you know, you had to travel on horseback. You didn't have the internet. Amazing. There's good news that saves us, but it's not just good news. Sorry, it not just saves us, but my second point this morning is faith in the gospel releases power for change. I don't know about you, but I want that. You know, I found that when my life's changed, it's actually when God's initiated it, not me. And sometimes I had people who give their life to Jesus. I'm not saying don't give up smoking, right? If you want to give up smoking, give up smoking. But I've had people who have just become Christians say, oh, I think, God, I think I'm going to give up smoking. I said, what does God want you to give up? Because sometimes God has a different agenda to us. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to give up smoking. I'm just saying sometimes he wants to work on our pride before our smoking addiction. Does that make sense? Because he knows what needs to change first. And I've been surprised how God's dealt with me in my life and what things he's put his finger on. When I thought I needed to fix that and was trying so hard to fix it, and then when I just stopped, like Becky said, just stopped and was still, sometimes God puts the brakes on our lives for a reason, to get our attention, um, I found God actually worked on something else that then just brought release that I never thought was possible. So Romans 17 says, The gospel is the righteousness of God that's revealed, a righteousness which is from faith, from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. One commentator said this, If God justifies a sinner, it's not mean, does not mean that he finds reasons to prove that he was right, Far from it. It does not even mean at this point that he makes the sinner a good man. It means that God treats the sinner as if he had not been a sinner at all. Now, you know, today, I, I struggle to live in our world today because you can't say anything. Can you? you? can't say anything. So, you know what, I'm okay with the word sin and sinner. Because what it really just means is that we choosing to live independent from God. And if we've created, if, right, and I believe we are created by God to be in relationship with him, and that's the perfect way to do life, and then we say, get on your bike, Jack. I don't want to know about you. And we live life our own way as, you know, our world celebrates independence. Um, I don't know, I'll just ask you, how, how is your plans working out for you? I don't know about for you, but my plans don't always work out that great for me. But when I found God's plan for my life, I find things change dramatically for the better. So when we talk about, so I love what he says here. It's not like, um, like it's like the God, we had not sinned at all. Isn't that amazing? God sees us as a different person. Righteousness in this verse refers to a state that conforms to an authoritative standard or norm and is so in keeping with what God is in his holy character. Um, I love this. Righteousness is a moral concept. God's character is the definition and source of all righteousness. So what's righteousness mean? Righteousness is God. It's being together. 
Now, some people say, well, why can't God just let everyone into heaven? Well, because the Bible teaches us that it's God's holiness, right? It's his goodness that actually holds the universe together. So if God just said, oh, come on, everyone, just come to heaven. I don't care how much baggage or sin or bad behavior you bring in. I believe the universe would actually fall apart. Because it's who God is that holds everything together. So you imagine, put yourself in God's shoes, right? Maybe as a parent, you want to bring your kids home, right? And God wants to bring all his kids home that he created, but he can't have sin in heaven because everything will fall apart, right? So he says, how do I get my kids into home, right, without their baggage? He says, you know what, I'll send my own son to go and pay the price for their sin so that when they put their faith in him, because God, you want God to be, we want God to be, who wants justice in our world? Do you want justice in our world? Okay. Well, God's a God of justice, which means sin has to be paid for. Bad deeds have to be paid for. So that's why Jesus came to pay for that stuff. So justice was met so that then God could be merciful to the rest of us. He could forgive us because Jesus was punished. And I don't mind using the word punished either because he was punished. Go and watch the passion if you don't think Jesus was punished. Oh, my gosh. And because our sin went on to Jesus, we don't have to pay for it anymore. We can be guilt-free and shame-free when we put our faith in what Jesus did. That's, so we get, you know, it's like, I don't know, have you ever had someone make you look good? I love hanging around with people that make me look good. People in this church make me look good. You notice that this morning, hey? Oh, they help me get my stuff together, right? Jesus makes us look good, not just good, but it's not just a look good, it's really good. So when God, we put our faith in Jesus, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' goodness, not my stuff. And that when we receive Jesus by faith, what happens is our hearts change, our desires change. Suddenly the things we used to want to do, we don't do anymore. You know what, I, I, you can keep me accountable to this. But I've had a, you know, a, got a bit of a health issue at the moment. And so um, it freaked me out a bit, probably healthily, because I'm over 50 and eat rubbish. And suddenly I looked up, you know, healthy eating, went, oh, shouldn't eat that, shouldn't eat that, shouldn't eat that, shouldn't eat that, shouldn't eat that. Eat a lot of that, shouldn't eat that. And I just, it just, my desire changed. Now it might be fear, it might be God. In a few weeks we'll find out, <laughs> right? But I think it's God. You know why? Because it's been easy. It's been easy. Because my desire's changed. And I look at that packet of potato chips, and I go, I actually don't want that anymore. Now, if you know me over the last 10 or 20 years, that's God. And, you know, that was my experience when I was 18 years old, smoking pot, binge drinking, wild, and suddenly just my desires changed. God snuck up on me and changed my heart. So see, when change comes, it's first a change of heart, then a change of mind, and then a change of action. See, we often try to do it backwards. We try to change our action. You can't change your action. Just if you're wondering. Nothing's going to help us change our action. God works from the inside out, not the outside in. And so when he changes our desires, suddenly we don't want to do that stuff anymore or eat that stuff anymore, or say that stuff anymore. That's what changes. 
And then as we start to read the word, and because Jesus is in our heart, he helps the Bible make sense, suddenly our minds start to think differently. Do you know God, you know that God thinks differently to us? And the only way we can start thinking like God is to read the Bible and trust the Spirit of God to give us understanding to that. And I think he changes. Suddenly, instead of hating myself, I realize that God loves me and so it's okay for me to love myself too. Instead of thinking that I'm rubbish at everything, I realize that God made me for a purpose, put me on the planet for a purpose, and maybe there's something on the planet for me to do. See, the word changes our thinking and then changes our behavior. The word revealed in that verse, and this is what I want you to know, it literally means to remove the veil or covering, exposing the open view that was before hidden. So it says in the verse, so if we can have it back up, right? The righteousness or the goodness of God that comes to us through Jesus is revealed, right? It doesn't say learnt. You can't learn it. God can only reveal it. So if you think Christianity is a load of rubbish, just get with God and say, God, can you reveal to me? And you heard Becky say it, surrender. Can you reveal to me if this is true or not? Because we can't work it out with our head. We just have to slow down and ask God if it's real. And he then, it's like taking, um, Christian Radio this week did the CBM thing right across Australia. $33, CBM around the world can do a cataract operation for poor people in third world countries. And for $33, give them their sight back. How good an organisation is that? Eh? That's worth $33 hey, or more. And they do thousands. You know, there's 94 million people in the world who can't see just because they can't afford or have access to a cataract operation. 94 million. And so CBM do thousands. I forget the figure, but it's in the tens of thousands of these operations every, every year and just give people their sight back. Well, you know what? When we put faith in the gospel... It's like having a spiritual cataract operation. And suddenly, stuff that didn't make sense before, makes sense. You go, why? I didn't see that before because I was blind. The old song says it. Amazing grace. How sweet this. I once was blind, but now I see. It's by revelation. It's not by information. There's no shortage of information in our world, friends, but there's a very big shortage of revelation. And we need to get some more revelation. And we don't get it by studying, we get it by stopping. So I encourage you to stop and pray and say, God, please open my eyes. That's what happened to Paul, who wrote this. He was killing Christians. That wasn't, didn't look good on his resume either when he wanted to start his first church. He used to kill you guys, but now I love you. you really prove it. You read the story, that's actually what they were saying. Prove it, because we don't really trust you yet. And on the side of the road, God just knocked him off a horse or donkey or whatever. You know, sometimes God needs to knock us off our horse. You ever had one of them? Praise God for those moments. Bit of a slap up the head with circumstance. You know, and, and he said, and Jesus just stopped him. And he actually knew enough to say, Lord, you know. And Jesus said to him, you're persecuting me, bro. Like chain, and he just, and it's something like scales fell off his eyes. Isn't that an interesting metaphor? Hey, eh? I don't think it's a metaphor, I think it really happened, but spiritually it happened too, and his eyes were open. 
See, and it's by faith. So if you're a Christian today and you're struggling to change, see, I grew up in the Salvation Army and I think we did great at salvation by faith. So you get into a relationship with Jesus by faith, but then you kind of stay good by working hard at it. That's called a righteousness by works. Right, so I'm sitting in a conference one day and I'm trying to be good, you know, trying to improve my life or my behavior or whatever. And I'm just reading in first uh, in Philippians 3, it said um, this righteousness, similar to this, this righteousness which is by faith. So, you know, when you get saved, you believe the message and the message changes you. When you want to change your behavior as a Christian, you believe that Jesus is still involved and still wants to change you. And suddenly things change. It's always by faith. You believe and you receive. Okay? Um, I think it's a bit like this. Kids just assume that what they're... If you're a parent, you would experience this. If you're a kid, you probably did this, right? You just assume what your parent... What belongs to your parents is yours. Don't you? It's my house, my food, my car. It's our car. And you know what? That's a right assumption. But the, did the kids pay for the house? Did the kids pay for the food? Did the kids pay for the car? Of course they didn't. And it's the same with Jesus paid for all the stuff. We just get to enjoy it. Does that make sense? Because when we give our lives to Jesus, he invites us into his family. Suddenly his house is our house. His goodness is our goodness. His peace is our peace. Jesus bought it on the cross, but we get to enjoy it. His joy is our joy. It's free. And that's why we get confused by it. Well, I don't know. There's a catch there, isn't it? It'll, catch you, it'll cost you your will. <laughs> hey? You've got to stop living life your way and live it his way. That's the cost. You know what, friends? It's a small cost. Because I don't know about you, but my way has got me smashing my head up against many brick walls. You think the guy smashing the computer had issues? Hey, we've had those issues, haven't we? Instead of beating up a computer, we beat up ourselves in all kinds of weird ways. Because we're frustrated with life and we don't know how to fix it. And here's Jesus like Christy going, hey, excuse me. Excuse me. I have a message that has power that could change all of that. Maybe we want to engage with that. I love how God made the world. Do you know how God made the world? It's not complex. You don't have to be a scientist to understand it. He just spoke. How, how cool is that? Let there be light. And there was light. So, so it was through his word, right? But that wasn't just through his word. The book of Hebrews tells us that by faith, we understand that the universe was formed. So God uses faith. You ever realize that? God, by faith, God created the world. Faith is what brings something out of nothing. That's what faith does. So when we have faith in Jesus, it brings life to our dead soul. Bring something out of nothing. When God spoke by faith, it brought something out of nothing. And here's what I want you to see about this today, is that when, that's what these verses say, is when we bring faith, just like God did, to the message which has power, suddenly, boom. Hey? 
So the, the, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ by itself has power, but that power is not activated. Any pyromaniacs in the room? Yeah, sorry. Pyromaniacs. A little bit. Oh, let it go, Simon. Just own it. Just own it. Hey, the, the petrol is no good unless you put a match to it. Right? I won't tell you some things I did as a teenager, but I'll, let, I'll tell you this, that when you put a match to petrol, boom! Right? The problem is, is unless we put a match, unless we put our faith to the gospel, there's no boom! And we go, oh, it doesn't mean anything to me. Don't we? I don't know what they're talking about. I reckon I could, I'm not going to. Maybe a Christian version of Carl Barron, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> Got a long way to go before I could pull that off. Does that make sense, though? Could you just bring a little bit of faith today to the message and maybe you'll get some boom in your life and some stuff will shift that you haven't been able to shift for years? Is that possible? Just a challenge. When we believe the good news about Jesus, that he came to earth, that he died to pay for my sin, that he rose again, when I access this good news by asking him to forgive me for my sin and be my Lord and Savior, I access his power. Power to live as he calls me to live. And power that will see me live for eternity with him. This morning I want to invite you to access the power of the gospel. To surrender your will to his will. If you are frustrated with life, if you're frustrated with yourself, don't use that power. You have to destroy what you have left. Did you hear that? Because God gives us power, right? He gives us choice. And we can use the power of our will to destroy our lives and to destroy ourselves. Or we can use it to access his power. And everything comes back to life, friends. Everything comes back to life. Access his power and experience a resurrection of your life now. And in the life to come. I'm going to invite the band up. And if you guys can just keep it nice and soft this morning. And Justin, just keep the sound levels so they're nice and soft. Because I want us to have time to think hard. <laughs> Maybe think with your heart. Do you know how to think with your heart? I think you do it like this. Is just be aware of what you're feeling. Because sometimes God gets to us through our feelings. Is that okay? God has feelings. Feelings are okay. God actually got to me through my feelings. Um, sometimes he gets to us through our head. That's okay. But I think this morning, let's just, let's just slow ourselves down. Let's slow our minds down. Slow our hearts down. Say, you know, Jesus, is this, actually, is this the day that you want to bring more life to me? And we're going to just, can you guys put the prayer up? And you know what? You can pray a prayer like this, but it doesn't matter what words you use. It's more the attitude of our heart. It's like, Lord Jesus, you know, God, I just want to, I, I, I quit. I quit doing it my way. I'm going to give your way a crack for a while. 
and just see what happens. You know what? And that little bit of faith is enough to change things explosively in your life. Do you want to put the prayer up? And this is just one prayer you can pray. Something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. There's that faith. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for taking, for paying for my stuff and for giving me life here and in eternity. Fill me. In other words, come and live within me and empower me with that power that can change me and can change stuff. Leave the prayer up there, hey? Can we just leave it up there while we do this? And um, the band can play through one time and then we might... Anyway, leave it up for a little bit of the song and then... Because I... I just want us to reflect. I want us to hear what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. And the Holy Spirit just, you know, sometimes just a little thought in our mind. That's how He changed my life. Just a little thought in my mind. And we respond to that. So if you want to come and pray, kneel and pray and say, Lord, show me who you are. Um, come and do that this morning, hey.